Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Good stuff. He's a do-it-all. He's the jack-of-all-trades. Pastor Nick, good to lead worship, give us announcements. He's good to preach. He's good to do it all. So thank you, thank you. Um, just again, recap if you weren't here in the very beginning. Uh, Daniel and Chelsea are not here because they got to go spend some time away celebrating their anniversary and actually joining a wedding. Yesterday was Nicole de Thomas's wedding, and many of you know Linda. I think I have a picture of that. Uh, Jen and I got to go to the wedding yesterday. It was up uh, near San Luis Obispo, about three hours away. And so it was great to see Linda, uh, mom, smiling and dancing there uh, with Lin- um, Nicole. And so, so fun. And actually, uh, so that's a picture of them. And then that's a picture of Oscar and uh, Nicole. If you don't know, Nicole grew up in this church. Um, I got to be her youth leader. And just uh, she was in the dance that Jen led for many years. And so um, we are so proud of Nicole. Um, as testimony, this is not giving you like... Bad news. This is insider news. All throughout the wedding, um, you know, Jesse Babcock, who plays the guitar up here, his son-in-law did, was officiated the service, and he gave the gospel the whole time. And it's so cool because Oscar was not a believer when he met Nicole, and they were co-workers, and they started having some feelings for each other. And he met all the checkboxes of all the things Nicole ever wanted in a husband, except he wasn't saved, but everything else. And so it was this, I can't date you. You're not saved. And so it was this journey of him coming to church and seeing what her life was like. And he genuinely had a conversion and he loves the Lord and he gave that testimony at his own wedding. And so it's just so fun to be a part of something like that where God is being honored and this marriage was God honoring. And so just want to say congratulations to Linda and the Thomas family for a successful good marriage yesterday. So um, good stuff, good stuff. Um, So that's why Daniel and several people aren't here today. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, other things going on too. Um, And again, I opened up the service talking about Memorial Day weekend. Just again, I just... Um, I know we have Veterans Day where we say thank you to those that have served. Memorial Day is where we are grateful and remember those who have given their lives. But in a sense, I have no problem saying thank you to those that are still alive on Memorial Day uh, because there's things that you as veterans have done where you laid down your life and you've had consequences for years to come of maybe things that you've had to go through. And I just want to say thank you as a pastor and as this church. We are so grateful for the brave men and women who have not only laid down their lives physically, but also mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they've gone through hard things. And so I am proud to be an American. I am proud to live in a nation that not only is free, but fights for freedom. That there's a mandate on the DNA of our nation to bring freedom to the world. And so I am so thankful, and I remember. It's, it's a appropriate, right? I just think about how Jesus, right? When we do communion, we, we read those words. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. He's basically saying, don't forget. Don't forget I gave my life for you. And I just, I love that as a nation, we have a holiday set aside where we are to remember that people have given their lives for our freedom. So I encourage you spend some time today, especially tomorrow. Um, enjoy barbecuing, enjoy having time with family and friends, but do something that remembers that we are a free nation because people have given their lives for our freedom. And pray that God continues, as praying for abortion, things like that, that God continues to raise up brave men and women like Patrick Henry that would say, give me liberty, give me freedom, or give me death. That, that we are willing to lay down our lives for freedom. That's an important thing. So um, if you can't tell, I'm very patriotic. I love this nation. We'll spend more time on that 4th of July. We'll celebrate. Um, but... Um, Yeah, I'm grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all those that have served or you have family members that have served. Thank you, thank you for all that you've done. Um, 
So this morning, I want to jump in. If you weren't here last Sunday, we started what I'm calling a series on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I stole the name of the series off of this book, The Gift of the Holy Spirit, written by Jack Stiles Sr. Um, his son is the one who founded this church, Osborne Neighborhood Church, 70 years ago this year. Um, and uh, he wrote this book, I think back in the 40s, I should have looked it up. And it's been a godsend. I don't know how I grew up in this church and I never knew about this book until like a couple of years ago. And so I got my hands on it. I have read it through multiple times. And uh, I'm using it as a basis for some of the things I'm teaching. Um, but this morning is going to be part two. And um, one of the things is, uh, we'll go through some scriptures. But the idea is, um, before I even teach some things this morning, I want to make sure my heart is conveyed as well. Um, I know, in fact, I'll read. Let me do that. I'll read uh, from chapter 5. Uh, of this book, opening up chapter five. If you get the book, oh, I'll say this again. If I know a couple of you wanted the PDF version, I don't have a bound copy for everybody, but the family, the Styles family has allowed us to give a PDF version to everybody. So if you didn't get a link to that, let me know. But uh, we put it up on Facebook and Instagram, and I think Chelsea's gonna put it on our website. Uh, but if you didn't get it or don't know how to get it, let me know, let somebody know, we'll find it for you. Um, but chapter five, let me read to you the opening statement of chapter five. Um, because it's important. It's where we're headed this morning. So let me find where I'm at in here too. Hold on one second. Okay. So chapter five says this. There's been much misunderstanding concerning this matter of speaking with other tongues, which has in some cases brought much damage to the cause of Christ and certainly has robbed multitudes of the blessing which God intended them to have. One thing is certain it is not a subject to be lightly cast aside as unimportant in the church. God does not have his book, the Bible, filled with things of minor importance or unnecessary statements. Jesus did not say that a few believers shall speak with tongues. He certainly implied that all believers should do so. And so does also the Apostle Paul. Why then, in it, why then is it that so many believers today do not speak with tongues? People have not understood nor have they realized the value of it. I'm using that last statement as the basis of where we're going this morning. People have not understood, nor have they had a value for it. I think, as he so eloquently said, there's been this idea, this topic of speaking with tongues that has brought division within the body of Christ for decades, for centuries. And I don't want it to be so, but I don't want to be a pastor that says, well, I'm not going to talk about it because it always stirs up division. I love what he says. If it's in the Bible, it needs to be brought up. It needs to be talked about. So I want to bring some teaching, some explanation of what it is. Um, and then also that we would gain a value for it. That we're not just saying, well, I'll, sure, I believe it's in God's word and maybe it's for today, but I don't really want it. It sounds kind of scary and creepy to me. And I just want to be honest with you. I grew up in this church. I grew up, even before I came to this church at about 10 years old, I went to an even more Pentecostal church before I came to this church. So I was inundated in my life with the supernatural. With speaking in tongues, it was just normal in my life as a child. But can I tell you, going to camps here with this church, there were times where I didn't want to do anything with speaking in tongues. There was something where it seemed so strange and so weird, and I'll say this, so not done in a right attitude and in a right manner that it was offensive to me as a kid. I, I was not feeling the leading of the Holy Spirit in it. I'm not saying they were wrong, but in my situation, it brought some, I'm not sure if I want this stuff. 
So I'm just coming at a place where I want you to, to know my heart. That this church will never force this doctrine on any of you. I will never make you that if you don't speak in tongues, then you have no value in this church. That would be ridiculous. That would be unbiblical. Um, and so I want to go through some scriptures that kind of talk about this. I think one of the most famous scriptures, right? One of the most famous chapters in the Bible, just coming off of a wedding, is 1 Corinthians 13, right? We all are aware, familiar of the love chapter. Uh, I don't know how my mom gets into all my sermons, but my mom would make her kindergarten class, these five-year-olds, memorize the entire chapter. And if you remember years ago when she was still teaching, every year we'd bring her five-year-old, her kindergarten class, they'd come up here and they would recite the entire chapter 13. And I love that. I love getting that ingrained. But there's that very first verse, right? You guys know 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Really quick, when I read this verse, maybe you're stuck with a pastor that's got a weird mind sometimes, and I think about movies all the time. Um, this verse, I don't know why, I think of a little bit of Pirates of the Caribbean. Has anyone ever seen Captain Jack Sparrow? And there's lots of them, and I refuse to believe there's any more than the very first one, because that's the only good one. Uh, the very first Pirates of the Caribbean, the rest, I don't understand, and I don't really care, I don't really laugh at those. But the first one was funny, um, and Captain Jack Sparrow, in the very beginning of it, um, he's caught, and there's the British Army, he's the, con what is he, the captain, the commandeer, or whatever the guy is, no, how do you say that name, not commandeer, is to steal something, I don't, the guy, whatever, Commodore, that one, he's the Commodore, and uh, he, caps, he captures Captain Jack Sparrow, and he says this line, You've got to be the worst pirate I have ever heard of. And what does Captain Jack Sparrow say? I, but you have heard of me, right? <laughs> There's this idea, I, but you have heard of me. This reference, I feel like for many people in the church, ah, see, speaking in tongues, it's just this clanging symbol. It's like, ah, we, we don't want it. I, but it is in the Bible. <laughs> it is to be done. If there's a way to do it without love, then maybe there's a way to do it with love. If there's a way to do it where it's a clanging cymbal and it's a noisy thing I don't want in my ears, maybe there's a way to do it where it's actually beautiful and harmonious and attractive and winsome. That is my heart as a, as a pastor and the leader of this church is I want us all, as Paul says in the next chapter, chapter 14, he says, my desire for the Corinthian church is that you all speak in tongues. That was his desire. So I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm gonna show my cards in poker, right? I'm showing my cards. My desire, like the Apostle Paul, I have a desire and I actually pray, whether you want me to be praying over you this way or not, I pray that you all speak in tongues. That is my desire and I don't shrink away from that. I don't wanna be ashamed of that. I'm showing with you my desire. I want you to speak in tongues, but I will never force my opinions or my ideas on you. Maybe this is too, talking too much about myself, but I tell my wife all the time, before we got married, I said, if and when we ever get in an argument, I need to let you know off the get-go, you will win every time. Not because I'm a gracious man, because I stink at arguing. I'm not a good lawyer. She could make a good lawyer. She's got family members that are lawyers that get paid to argue, and she's great at it. And so I knew that going into the marriage, and so I just told her, hey, if we ever get in an argument, I'm just letting you know, you will win. You will be able to get all the facts lined up and you will be able to prove me wrong every single time. But I have a heart for things. I always want to communicate my heart. And as a pastor, that is my desire. In fact, this random thought came to my mind, so I'll share it. 
There have even been people that have left this church since I've been the pastor. They wrote me a letter and they actually said this. Pastor Ryan, I'm a fan of you. I like your heart. I like how you love Jesus. But I don't agree with all your doctrines. And so I'm not comfortable being at this church. Can I tell you, I actually enjoyed reading that letter. Because they saw my heart. I said, praise God, they saw my heart. There are people that have left this church that accuse me that I'm just this evil, horrible, nasty person. Like, ah, how did you get that from me? I love Jesus so much. How did you think that I'm this evil, horrible person? But this person, I don't have a problem with that. If they don't agree with everything I agree with, I'm okay with that. But as long as you see my heart, so that's my desire in this morning's message, is I do want to teach on the gift of speaking in tongues. I do believe it's available for all of us. I do want you to have it. I'm being honest with you, but I will never do it. My desire is never to do it in a way where it's a clanging cymbal, a sounding brass, where it actually repulses you. I pray that we are a church that actually, it becomes desiring. Maybe you don't have the theology and doctrine to actually want it in this very moment. I am praying that as you come to this church, you see it being done in love in such a way that saying something changes. Actually, that sounds really cool. Actually, I'm not weirded out. I actually would like that in my life. That's my prayer. And I'm believing that where we're headed, I shared this on Wednesday night. Um, maybe, I, you know, maybe I'm a pastor with TMI, too much information, but I don't, like, I, I don't like there to be anything hidden. My agenda, I don't want to be hidden. There is a desire that we walk in this more and more. There are many of you in this room that you've actually already received the gift. And can I say, I fall into the same category. I received the gift of speaking in tongues as a junior hire at this church. So for 30 years, I've had this gift to pray in tongues. But I fall into this category where I have not stewarded or used the gift as much as I should. And so I want to get back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about it? What does it teach about it? I want to be a doer of God's word. I don't want to do what I'm comfortable with. I don't want to do what I, my preferences are. I lay down all my preferences and I come under the word of God. What is he saying? I want to be led by the spirit of God. So that's my desire. Is not, like I said, if my agenda here is not to convince you of my opinions and change your idea of things. That is not my desire at all. My desire is just to open up God's word, allow the Holy Spirit to talk and allow my heart of love and grace to flow in this conversation. Does that make sense? So if you leave this message and you have questions, actually, that's a good thing. You have questions. My kids, they still have questions. They hear mom and dad pray in tongues. They have questions. Well, how does it work? What does that do? I would love for you to leave here where you're not repulsed, but you're actually intrigued. That's my desire. So I know I'm giving a big preface, but I just felt like I needed to share that. In fact, no, I'm not done prefacing. <laughs> I feel like I need to even apologize, as 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says. I want to apologize on behalf of the church at large, this church specifically, and even myself, if I have ever done anything in a way where it came across as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I don't ever want to do that. I want it to be done in love. And I'm, I, really quick, I'll give you an example. As I said, as a youth, that's when I received my prayer language. As a youth leader, years and years ago, before Jen and I were even married, so we've been married 19 years, so 20 years ago or plus, um, I went to a youth camp as a youth leader, and at that camp, 
I know the desire of the leadership was good. They said the same thing I just said from this pulpit. They desired for everyone to leave that camp speaking in tongues. But the way it was presented was, they said it from the front, nobody's leaving this room until you all speak in tongues. And as soon as they said it that way, I felt oof, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. That's not how you do that. The desire was right. Like Paul, they had the same zealous desire. But how it was communicated, it was a sounding brass. And now I had these youth that I was in charge of that were fearful. And they were looking at me like, are you going to make me do this, Ryan? And I had to defend kids that didn't want it. They did not want the gift. And my job in that moment was to love those kids and say, you do not have to say one thing you don't ever want to say. I, and I defended them. It is not, you do not have to leave this room. Say, I will walk you physically out of this room and make sure you don't do anything you don't want to do. So I, I'm just sharing with you my heart as a pastor. I will never force you to do something you don't want to do. That is not how the gospel works, right? And so I just, I do. I want to apologize if there's anything ever been done from this platform that's wrong. At the same time, I am not ashamed that we do pray in tongues. We do sing in tongues. And if you hear us singing in tongues, I am more than okay with that. I think it's a biblical, and we'll get there. So I shared on Wednesday night, man, all these things coming back. Even last Sunday, my wife, she probably wouldn't want me saying all these things, but she felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. She, she sings in tongues all the time. And normally when she does, her mic is down here. So you don't get to hear any of that. But she felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, keep the mic closer. Don't know if any of you heard her or not, but she felt emboldened to do that. And I'm just saying, yes, I encouraged her. Keep doing that. I want this to be a church where we do speak pray and worship in tongues. So why do I say that? Let's look at some scripture, all right? So I read 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't know, chapter 12 is all these gifts of the Spirit. 13, that's why he says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels but have not love, it accomplishes nothing, right? It does nothing. It's not just speaking in tongues. He goes further. If I give my body to be burned, if I give all that I have to feed the poor, these great things to do, but if it's not done in love, it profits nothing. It accomplishes nothing. So there's things where, oh man, okay, I'm going to get stuck on this verse for a while. Like I said, Captain Jack Sparrow, I feel like this verse that can be used to slight and kind of cut this idea of speaking in tongues, actually, it's promoting it. It's so promoting it in so many ways. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get after this verse. So it says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. Even that right there is a great statement. What is speaking in tongues? You go back to the very first instance, Acts chapter 2, right? They, on Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit, it says, and they began to speak in new tongues. And as they went out of the upper room, what did the men of Jerusalem that traveled from different nations, they came for that festival, Pentecost, they came there and they heard those men that were filled with the Spirit praising God in their own native languages. They were praising, they received tongues of men. They were praising God in languages they did not know. They didn't know how to speak whatever it was, Swahili or all these different languages, right? They were praising God in a language they'd never learned. But other men recognized those words and said they're praising God. They were speaking in tongues of men. 1 Corinthians 13 says you can speak of tongue, with tongues. This gift of tongues can be for men, um, a human language, or of angels, a heavenly language. So it's already this verse that might be used as a slight, like, You've got to be the worst pirate I've ever heard of. Yeah, but you have heard of me. There's great teaching here. There is speaking of tongues that is for men, and there's tongues that are for angels. 
that we have no idea what we're saying. Both are there. We'll get there in a second as we go to Acts, not Acts, 1 Corinthians 13, the next chapter, 14. We'll get there in a second. I promise we're going to get there. 14, it talks about not only the difference between tongues of men and of angels, but a public speaking of tongues that needs to be interpreted and a private prayer language that does not need interpretation. Does that make sense? We'll get there with scripture. We'll point it out. But I want you to understand there's, within this gift of tongues, there's actually differences of tongues. Is that making sense somewhat? So there's, there's men, angels, public, private. I want to make sure there's distinction between these things. It's not all lumped into one thing. All right. Um, what else I want to say about 1 Corinthians 13? Uh, any of angels? Good enough. All right. Um, let's see. So at the core, maybe your value for it. Why would the Holy Spirit give us this gift? What is it used for? What's the purpose of it? There's a long answer to that with lots of things, but at its core, the reason why we pray or worship in tongues is to glorify Jesus. On Acts chapter 2, what did the men hear? They heard them glorifying God. What were they doing in praying in tongues? Glorifying God. So it's this prayer language. It's praise and worship and prayer. But I'll tell you just really quick, I've prayed in tongues where like, oh my goodness, that was not praising God. That was spiritual warfare. It was a whole different demeanor, whole different thing coming out of my mouth where I was like, I can discern, I don't know what, I can't translate word for word what I was coming out of my mouth, but that was standing against the enemy and saying, no, this is how it's going to be. So I can't unpack everything in one Sunday morning, but I I hope there's good questions coming out of this this Sunday morning. Um, So, all right, here we go. So that's core, you know what it's for. Um, Hmm. All right, really quick, we'll do this one. In, um, in Acts chapter 12, towards the end, before I forget to act, uh, I mean, not Acts, sorry, I keep saying Acts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right before 1 Corinthians 13. And you can turn your Bible there because I'm going to be looking all through 12, 13, and 14. 14 is where we're really headed. But if you want to open your Bibles, make sure I'm quoting Scripture correctly. Um, you can go there. But towards the end of chapter 12, Paul writes this. He says, are all apostles, are all um, prophets, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, do all have gifts of healing? And he doesn't write the answer, but it's kind of known. The answer is no. That we're all in one accord, we're all unity, we're all in the same body. But some people will use this verse, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. And so they say, well, that's not for everybody in the church then. Not everybody's supposed to speak in tongues. Again, context, I don't have time to do all this, but he's talking about, do all interpret, it's the very next word. He's talking about a public display of tongues. Is that for everybody to give a public word in tongues? No, that's not. Can I tell you, 30 years of me speaking in tongues, never once have I ever given a public tongue to be interpreted. I'm not proud of that. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to do that in my life. I'm just giving you context. It's possible to have the gift of tongues and not do what he's saying here where it needed to be interpreted. There's a difference between personal and public. Is that making sense? So not everyone is called to a public display of tongues. But I do believe, why else would Paul say it? The scripture does not contradict himself. Paul says in chapter 12, do all speak in tongues? No. And then he says next chapter, two chapters later, my desire is that you all speak in tongues. And then 
What does Jesus say in red letters? To me, those are always the, the clincher. Jesus, at the very end of Mark's gospel, what does he say? These signs will follow those who believe. They will speak in new tongues. In red letters. So Jesus is saying, if you are a follower of me, you, it is available for every follower of Jesus to speak in new tongues. It's available. So I just want to make sure that we're understanding some of the, because I, I know there's other churches that really come against this. And I'm not, again, I'm not the arguing type. I'm not the lawyer. I would not win in the argument. But I do want to give some basis, biblical basis, of what we believe here. We're not just being led by our emotions. We are under the word of God and what it's teaching. So it's available for everyone. It's a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. As we talked about last Sunday, how do you receive salvation? You earn your way. You get yourself cleaned up enough, and then you can be saved by Jesus? No, it's a gift of grace. It's the same thing as the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not once you've been a Christian long enough and you've matured and you've worked out your salvation and you've reached a further, you know, status, oh, then you, then you can apply and maybe God will grant you the gift of tongues. No, it's actually biblical that even going back to Acts, when Paul, no, not Paul, Peter, when Peter goes to Cornelius' house and he's not even sure if Gentiles can be saved yet. He's like, okay, for the first time, I'll try it. I'll preach the gospel to Gentiles. And as he's just giving the good news of who Jesus is, he doesn't lay hands on them. He doesn't actually water baptize them. As he's just telling them about Jesus, it says the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles and they began to speak in tongues. They were one second old in Christ and they were praying in tongues. So there is no status. There's no that you have, to, you have to labor for it. And that's what this book, actually, a lot of this book is dedicated that back when he was... Uh, teaching this, the church was teaching that you had to labor. They would say that you had to travail. You had to, you had to get yourself into a spiritual hunger and did there so much that it might take years for you to ever get to attain to get this gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, no, biblically, you can be one second old in Christ and get it. It's all by grace. It's all by grace. So I share that with you. And then I get it. I, I know I'm throwing lots of things in here, but I believe this is Holy Spirit led. My own wife, I'm giving lots of examples. My own wife, when she came to this church, I don't know, before we were dating, we were just friends in school, and I was bringing all kinds of friends to this church. She came, raised Catholic, got saved, born again, and came to this church, and it was the first church she ever saw, or actually, no, not the first church she ever saw, first church she ever came into and didn't know that, where people raised their hands. So she was raised Catholic. She came to this church. She saw other people raising their hands. She's like, oh, no, it's one of those weird churches. And then she saw Ryan raising, oh, no, my friend Ryan's one of those weird guys, right? So that's my wife's, you know, context of being raised. And then she grew up in this church. Can I tell you, as I said, going to that youth camp, we both were youth leaders. We were in college, not married yet. She had seen and heard me pray in tongues multiple times by then. She was open to the idea. She went to that camp. And she was turned off. I do not want that. Whatever that is, I don't want it. All the years of seeing me where she was getting more and more open, she became, nope, cold, turned off. And the week after camp, on her own, by herself, without a pastor telling her how things are, without me laying hands on her, in her own car, driving to college, she had a conversation with God. God, I'm confused. I don't know if I even want that. But I do know I want all that there is to you. And so if this is real, speaking in tongues, if that's a real thing, then I say, yes, I want what you want, not what I want. And in that moment, all by herself, in her car, with no church service, 
she yielded herself and she was praising God and all of a sudden this prayer language came out. On her own, she began speaking in tongues on her own. So I'm giving you these contexts because it's not always the same. It's not cookie cutter that you're all going to come at the end of the service and everyone's going to leave here speaking in tongues. Again, my display, my desire, I would love for that. But my experience in life is it tends to be different. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay if you've been at this church for 30 years and you've never prayed in tongues. Praise God you're in this church. I love you the same, whether you do or don't. It makes no difference to me. But I want you, again, I'm being honest, I want you to have the blessing that I have in my life. I've always been real. I do not want you to only have a ticket to go to heaven. I want you to enjoy heaven now. I want you to enjoy all the blessings that are available. And I believe this is a gift that's available to you. Again, what is it? I heard Nick say it during worship. I don't even know if it was, he said it real loud or not. But as deep cries out to deep. There's something deep within my soul that I just love God so much that sometimes when I'm praising him, this is what it goes, I'm just being real with you. Sometimes it's, Jesus, you are so good. You're glorious, you're powerful, you're mighty, you're gentle, you're kind. And I begin to say all these things that Jesus is. And at some point, words, I, I have no more words to say. But there's still more in the depth of who I am that I want to worship him more. And there's no more words. I, I've said all those words. And so I'm like, oh, praise God, there's a prayer language that I can keep going. I can keep worshiping him, even though I don't even understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Really quick, I'll go here too. I love the fact that sometimes when I pray in the Spirit, I'm convinced there's times the Holy Spirit is canceling my previous prayer. <laughs> that I was praying, I, okay, I, I, I was gonna use this example. Ryan was praying for a Lamborghini and the Holy Spirit said, uh, Father, you know he'll kill himself if he gets a Lamborghini. Let's cancel that prayer. But I'll give you a real life example. I actually prayed this prayer. In college, I looked at my life and I realized I was so blessed. I looked at my family that I was raised in. I looked at this church I was raised in. I just, everything was good in my life. And the scripture was screaming in my face, to whom much is given, much is required. And I just felt the weight of all the blessing in my life. But God, I, I can't handle it because I know you're going to require maybe to be a pastor one day. I'm like, I don't want it. And I prayed this prayer, knowing all the goodness of God in my life. I said, God, stop blessing me. It came out of my mouth. Stop blessing me. I praise God that I can pray in tongues. And then what came out of this same mouth later was the Holy Spirit saying, cancel that prayer, God. Keep blessing that son. Keep blessing that man. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't understand what he's praying. When we pray in the Spirit, we don't always get to understand what we're praying. And I say, thank God for that. Oh, man, I'm all over the place. I'm not in there, but we'll get there. I promise in Scripture, chapter 14, it says it somewhere in there. It says that when you pray in the Spirit, you're actually edifying yourself. You're actually building yourself up. It might sound selfish, but can I tell you there are times when my faith is weak? There's times where I don't have enough faith to believe something that God has said. He promised something. He gave me a prophetic word and I'm being real and honest in God's presence. I'm like, I don't feel it, God. I don't honestly see that happening. But I can begin to pray in the spirit and I'm praying things that I would never have come out of my own mouth because I didn't have enough faith to pray it. But the Holy Spirit began praying it through me and it built up my faith. Hallelujah. It encouraged me. In fact, let's just find it. Where is it? First Corinthians 14, where is it? I got up there somewhere. What is it? Four. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. There's ways that I can build you up as a pastor. I am called to build you up. That's one of the callings of my life is to encourage you. But if I don't know how to encourage myself, I'm, I'm a dead man. And I say this not, I hope you hear this sincerely. If my strength is relying on you, your encouragement to me, I would have left this pulpit a long time ago. And I'm not saying that as a slam on you. I'm saying as a pastor, I've got to learn how to encourage myself. If King David had to do that, it says that at one point, King David, all his mighty men, everyone turned their backs on him. And it felt like God himself turned his back on him. And it says he went away by himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. I thank God he's given me a tool. This is not the only way, but this is a biblical way that I can go edify myself. When I feel beat up and shamed and I have nothing to give, I just begin to pray in tongues. And I allow the Holy Spirit to, himself to minister to me. This word edifies, in the Greek it means strengthen, help, grow, build, establish, embolden. I want to grow from glory to glory. I don't want to be a babe in Christ all my life. And I don't want to live off of other people spoon feeding me milk. I want to learn how to have my own relationship with God and get neat and build and establish my life, have my roots go down deep. I want to be emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that only will come if I just spend time in his presence and begin praising him in tongues. All right, so we're in chapter four. We'll go back. Acts chapter 14, I mean, chapter uh, verse two, it says this. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, the spirit, he, the, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So again, this is giving the context that there is a personal prayer language that is not meant for interpretation. He's speaking mysteries to God. When we speak in tongues, there's an ability to have communion with God where the devil has no idea what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Not only sometimes do I have no idea what I'm saying, but I'm praying things where the enemy's like, oh, shoot, I don't know what he's praying right now. I don't know how to come against that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to counterattack what blessings he's bringing into his life right now. It's mysteries between God, the Holy Spirit, and my spirit that I don't even know. I love that. I love that. I mean, I'm hoping I'm, I'm peaking in interest I did not make this connection. I'm not smart enough. But my previous series that we've been talking about for the last couple of months was about words. That our words create worlds. That our words have power. That we got to go on a negativity, negativity fast and not say things that shouldn't come out of our mouths, right? That we should go on a declaration feast and start saying things, declaring God's word. What if I told you there's an ability to speak things out of your mouth that are 100% pure? When I pray, like I said, when I pray, sometimes I've got a selfish slant to my prayers. Even when I said, God, don't bless me, right? That, but there's times where I say, God, bless me. And I'm asking for specific blessings. God's like, no, I don't want you to have that blessing. You're not ready for that blessing yet, right? There's things that I creep in all my selfish desires, but I can actually have words come out of my mouth that are 100% holy and pure and undefiled. Oh, sign me up for that prayer language. I want to pray in a way that has power. I love that. So that's Acts. I mean, keep saying Acts. Good golly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. We did verse 4. We'll go to the next one. Verse 5. This, I quote this already. Paul says this. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues. Or I have this desire that you all were able to do it. Paul the Apostle writes that, and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and recorded in canon. That there is an apostle wanting an entire church to speak in tongues. That's my desire. Again, my heart is that we do it in a way that's harmonious and lovely and beautiful. But that is still nonetheless my desire. And I'll say this. In Acts, I keep saying Acts, but that's the reason why. In Acts, as I was reading through all the testimonies and accounts of people being filled with the Spirit or receiving the gift of the Spirit or baptized in the Spirit, whatever term you want to use, often it says, and they were all, whoever was gathered together, they were all filled with the Spirit and they all began speaking in tongues. So it's actually biblical, not just for an apostle to desire that. It's actually a biblical testimony that it's happened again and again in the early church where everyone that was gathered, the church, all spoke in tongues. That's biblical. So I just want to make sure we're understanding these things. All right, so that's 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. We'll skip some. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says this. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I also sing with the understanding. He's going through, you can read the whole chapter if you want, but he's going through and he's, he's saying that, he's actually trying to tell you that prophecies in a church setting is actually more beneficial than speaking in tongues. And I say amen, it's biblical. But he isn't saying that speaking in tongues is, has no place. He's saying in this one, what's the conclusion? I'm going to do both. I'm going to pray in the Spirit and pray with my understanding. I'm going to sing songs where we all know the words, and I'm going to sing in the Spirit where no one knows the words. And I love that it says, I will. Because for me, that's just been a core to my relationship with God since the beginning. I read the Psalms. I read David. He does the same thing. I will bless the Lord at all times. Meaning, there are times I don't feel like it at all, but I will tell my soul what to do. And my soul will listen to my spirit. I'm spirit-led. I'm not emotion-led. I'm not mentally-led. I'm led by what the spirit says. And so if the spirit wants me to pray in tongues and I don't feel like it, too bad what I feel like. Paul says it. I will. I will make it a point. I will do this again and again. I will force myself to do that. So I want to give even some context of understanding. What does it mean to pray in tongues? If you've never done it before, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like riding a bike. Right? It's all these things. Once you do it, it becomes easy. But there's this thing where the initial thing, it is difficult. It's, does the Holy Spirit possess you and you're just a vessel that something's happening? No. Paul says, I will do it. It's a conscious decision. I can turn it off. I can turn it on at any point. What? I don't have to be in the mood and I can still do it? Yeah. I don't have to be caught up in the Spirit to do it? No. It's actually a gift and a tool that he gave me. And he says, you can do with it what you want. You can have it sit in a corner and never touch it. Or you can use it every single day. It's up to you. And so really quick, I don't want to do tons of teaching on this, but the idea is, I said it last, last Sunday, and I want to make sure I'm saying it again. This idea of the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a greater filling as a result of a greater surrender. There's this greater surrender that this is supernatural, and I don't know how to do it, God. I've never prayed in tongues before, but I want it. I want more. I am hungry for more intimacy with you. I'm hungry for all that you have. And as you're hungry and you submit and yield, there's this idea. I'll give you my own testimony. As a junior hire, my youth pastor praying over me. It was a weird moment. 
And I remember I was like, ah. And he just said, I've been taught lots of different ways. He says, just begin praising God. And I was using English language. And that was actually, it was good. It was getting me in the place of wanting God, but it was getting me no more further in actually praying in tongues. Because it's actually impossible to speak two languages at the same time. <laughs> so I couldn't begin speaking in tongues as long as English was coming out of my mouth. So finally my youth pastor said, all right, keep praising God in your heart, but keep your mouth shut. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a syllable, a sound, something that maybe you, doesn't make any sense to you. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I had some kind of weird one-syllable sound. But it was my choice to breathe air and make the noise come out. And as the noise came out, I'm in control of the noise, but that thought of that syllable was the Holy Spirit. And it came out of my mouth. It was a tongue. And I didn't have much more. A couple more syllables came after, and I had maybe five syllables. And I just kept repeating those five syllables. And he says, you got it. I said, that's it, those five syllables? Yeah, just keep doing it. Keep practicing it. Keep yielding to that and watch how it comes more. So I just, I'm trying to give you some practical examples. of it's, I want to take away the scary weirdness of it. At some point, it is strange. It's supernatural. But at some point, it is a yielding. It's saying, I will allow the Holy Spirit to do something in me that I don't feel like doing. But I want more. I want all that God has. All right, so really quick. We did 14, 15. I love this one. I won't preach on it for a long time. Verse 18, as you keep going through the chapter, this is Paul. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all y'all, right? Meaning he does it a lot. He's, this whole chapter, he's actually correcting a church. They're out of order. We'll get there in a second. They are using the gift of tongues and they're doing it out of order. And so he's bringing correction saying, only do two or three in a public service. You know, when you're doing this, allow some other things to happen. You guys are getting chaotic over there. He's not saying forbid it all. He's saying, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. You guys are doing it like crazy. And I'm telling you, get it under control. And yet I do it more than all y'all. So I, I love that. I love that Paul is bringing this in here. This is a real statement with a real human being talking to real human beings. It's not some weird religious thing. So we'll get there. Verse 27, 28. We're getting towards the end of the chapter. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, right? Each in turn. And let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Again, I feel like another Jack Sparrow moment. If there is an interpreter, then don't pray in tongues. Actually, let him pray in tongues to himself and to God. There you go. If there's no one to interpret, then stop giving these public things. Just have your own personal prayer language going on. Again, there's a difference between both. So he's trying to bring order. We'll get to the very end. Verse 39 and 40. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, which is the very beginning of the chapter. Desire all the gifts of the Holy Spirit is what he says, chapter 14, verse 1. You should desire everything the Holy Spirit has, Paul says. So he ends the chapter the same way. Desire earnestly to have these and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. He's wanting this. There is an ability to control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If we start praying in tongues more, it doesn't mean our church service is getting out of hand and nobody has any control. I am actually called as a pastor to bring control and order. I promise you, if you trust me as your pastor, we will never get to a place where we are out of disorder. I may get it wrong sometimes. I'm not saying I'll never get it wrong, but my heart and desire as a pastor is to do this biblically, decently and in order, where it edifies the entire church, 
where we build ourselves up and the entire church is growing together in unity over this very same subject. Is that making sense? So if you trust me, then we're in a good place. If I haven't earned your trust yet, then I pray you see my heart today and we grow on you trusting me in these things. So I'll have Nick come on up as I kind of wrap this up. And like I said, this is not an exhaustive teaching. This is maybe just scratching the surface of what it is, maybe taking away some weirdness to it, hopefully creating some desire, but really giving an understanding of what it is. There again, said it multiple times, there's public and private. There's angel, there's speaking in tongues of men and of angels. Last one, really quick. I love the testimony. Stella Bosworth, one of our missionaries we supported forever here. She just passed away last year. She gives a testimony that her mom was a new missionary to Africa. I don't know if I get the story right. I don't know if it was Swahili or what language it was, but her mom was going to these people and she so desperately wanted them to hear the gospel, but knew not one word in their language. And so what they did in the church service, they got a Bible. This is a true story. They got a Bible, they put it on top of her head and they began to pray over her, pray in the spirit. And all of a sudden, this tongue, a gift of the Holy Spirit came and she began to praise God. I'll say Swahili. I don't know what language it was, but she began to praise God in perfect Swahili. This goes a bit further. Then it was almost like a download, like a computer download. She was downloaded with the entire language. She never took one class, never did anything. From then on, per, spoke perfect Swahili the rest of her life. Could communicate with all the people there and was able to bring the gospel to that village. That is a sign and a wonder. That is a miracle. I share that testimony to increase your faith. There are things that, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, it's kind of connected to Acts chapter two, but that's even beyond Acts chapter two. There are things that I want to remain biblical. At the same time, I am believing that in the latter days, there's gonna be even more than what's even recorded in Acts chapter two. God wants to do incredible things in here and he is creating an atmosphere and a culture in this church where we desire all the best gifts and we operate in them, amen? amen. So would you stand as we close this service? We're gonna, we're, gonna stand, we're gonna close with one last worship song as we always do. I'm just gonna let you know you are dismissed after that last worship song. We'll probably go into more and more worship songs. You're dismissed. Can I share this? I wanna make sure there's no, not even a lick of shame or guilt if you're the very first person to leave this room. Today, I may even be that person. There's things I got on my calendar I need to go get to. It's not wrong or a sin if you leave early and there's still ministry going on. I just want to make sure there's no judgment on someone who doesn't speak in tongues. There's no judgment on someone who's the first person out of the sanctuary. At the same time, would you create an atmosphere where if there is ministry going up front, that you wouldn't just talk to your neighbor and just talk about what you're going to do for Memorial Day and the barbecues you're going to have. If you're going to do those conversations, have them outside. I would love for you to fellowship outside. But there is going to be some ministry up front and I would love to keep an atmosphere where ministry is happening. Is that making sense? I'm trying to give some instructions here this morning. So, would you close your eyes for a second? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I have no doubt that in this room, there are some of you that speak in tongues more than I do. There are some of you in this room that have never spoken in tongues and you're not too sure about it. And then there's some of us that are all in between. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Like my wife, where are you at? Do you want more? Are you hungry? Maybe just a simple prayer, God, I am open. Increase my openness. God, I want to be hungry and I'm actually not there yet. So Holy Spirit, would you fan a desire within me? 
Maybe today's the day you want to receive prayer. You want to, the elders to lay hands on you that you might receive the Holy Spirit. I have no shame for this to be the day that you receive that. Maybe you need prayer for healing. You've got pain in your back. You've got pain somewhere and you want someone to lay hands on you to be healed. That's the idea. At the end of service, we just have people that want to pray with you, to love on you, to encourage you. So as Nick leads us in this worship song, would you respond to what the Holy Spirit has to say? Leaders, would you come on forward?